0: Wants to see the trellis when the band is playing, right? I'm sorry, band, that I had to do that. You guys look so wonderful and nobody wants to impede seeing you, but uh I have to set my notes down and have some opportunity to see them. It is my time to come up, right? It's oh good. We're all we're not stopping on anyone's toes. I didn't get too excited there. Sometimes during worship I have a tendency to get too excited. It's all good. Oh, did you guys go, did you send your kids to VBS last week with us? How many of you, Pearl, I know you were here, VBS. I just want to give you, the haircut's confusing you, you're, you're throwing off. Okay, so you need to take this in. All right. Um, so we live in Costa Mesa now, and we officially moved in, and, and next to my house, we're here. And next to my house is this uh, place called Paul Mitchell School of Something. Okay. So you're laughing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and my wife, uh, she's a lovely person. And she says, just go get your hair cut because you look like a mop. And I said, that's great. Um, I love getting my hair cut and my hair still grows. So I sat down in the chair and there's a lot of people there. I mean, a lot hundreds in this place. It's it's a mall of haircutters. And he said, sir, how can I cut your hair? And I said, any way you like. And, and he said, are you serious? And I said, yeah. When I was young, I used to just tell the barber, do whatever you want. I don't really care. My, my hair is not angry. It, it'll come back. And and he, he started telling his friends, this guy said I can cut his hair any way I want. And he got really excited. So next thing I know, I had this swarming vortex of stylists around me. They're all very um, interesting individuals. And um, I was finding a wonderful opportunity for ministry. So I got pretty excited about it. and man, the hair just started flying, and the thing started, and I felt kind of like a dog being cheered there at one point, and it was like, and, and he's like, and then I realized something, he's a student, and, and then all of a sudden his, his boss came over and said, uh, so what do you think so far, and I'm like, I turned sideways, and I'm like, oh yeah, dude, sweet, and I realized sweet for me is not good for my wife. Um, I said, you know, air conditioning, you know, we, I guess we're saving, you know, air conditioning. This is going to work good for Sunday and all that low maintenance, less shampoo, all the different benefits. Um, when I was done, I, I, I should have sent Mike the picture. It actually goes way up and then like this and that. Okay, so you need to see it. So next week I'll send Mike the picture and you, and you can see it. It's actually called a fade to foe. And when I was done, I'm not joking. This is church. So with God as my witness, they gathered around me, started high-fiving, and then started taking pictures of me in the salon. And they said to him, you made him look 25 years younger. Meanwhile, I'm sitting in the chair going, oh, yeah, they're talking about me. Now, I felt a little bit rooster-like. But it was good. And then I actually looked in the thing, and I just had to laugh because I don't care. I really don't. I am a guy who just, you know, go tranquillo. I, that, my, my Spanish friends used to always say, Pastor Jeff is total tranquillo. I mean, I'm a go with the flow guy, and if my hair wants to, woohoo. And so I wore it yesterday to church because I was still working on the message. And uh, God bless Don for being a South African and being honest. But Don almost stopped in his tracks and had like a heart attack when he walked in. He's like, <laughs> Pastor Jeff, whoa. I'm like, well, you know, be honest here, Dawn. How do you really feel, you know? And then, then yesterday at the Ned Talks, um, I won't say who. I don't want to embarrass her. But another beautiful lady from our church actually did this. Like, I didn't even recognize you, Pastor Jeff. So, yeah, this is me. And you can expect a lot of great entertainment from me in the years to come. Because I, I don't care. It's just hair. And, and it'll come back. So, if you're lamenting my hair loss, please don't. And you know what? There's a lot more things in life to worry about. And we're going to definitely be talking about something super serious today. So, maybe a little laughter is good. But along with that, since we have the kiddos in here today, I also want to kind of let the adults know, VBS ruined me in a little way. So, one of the ways, Miss Marge, she's not here, but if she was here, Miss Marge ruined me in a little way. So, this stage, every day, they would come up and sing... And they are not able to sing without these things called hand motions. And what I found was while I was doing the message, all of a sudden particular hand motions started to come out. And so if I happen to use my hand today during the thing and say, you know, I just want to apologize in advance. But when you ask me to do VBS for a week, it starts to, you know, all of a sudden you're in the shower and you're singing the songs and things start (laughs) happening. Okay, on top of that, then you asked me to be a character in a play. Okay, I was at church last week across the way, and one of the little boys checking in said, oh, it's Rico, the bad guy. So I'm not sure that's what you hoped for for Pastor Jeff's second week at the church, but it happens. Uh, I just want to say super thanks to Michelle and Jean. And Sherry for all the stuff. You guys, thank you for making that an amazing week. Um, The blessings of your effort as a church to let us do that and Pastor Eric for supporting that is we know for sure that at least three confirmed students and maybe more uh, made decisions of faith. I mean, legitimate decisions of faith. So praise God for an amazing week and decisions of faith. That is a wonderful, wonderful week. Now, because it is Family Sunday... Um, I need to pray because we need to head true north. We're, we're in a series, and Pastor Eric got us started last week with an amazing passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And hopefully you were here for that and kind of got started with that. If you didn't, um, out in the foyer to the left, there's some past messages. Maybe you can pick that up and kind of jump back in with us to make sure you're tracking with us. But in light of heading true north, we're going to head true north again today. And we're going to be talking about the idea of developing a relationship, not a religion with God, and that's based on knowing God's will. Now, God's will sounds pretty complex, but we're going to try to break it down today to make it super simple. So let me pray, and uh, we'll move forward in this. Father God, thank you for everything in life that's just so wonderful and entertaining, and then just makes light of the fact that uh, something as amazing as a as hair, that you make hair grow and we can sit down in a chair and, and have conversation with people. And I just know that for me this week was such a blessing to to see your hand in so many different things in this church and throughout this community. And, and then finally yesterday at these uh, Ned Talks on a Saturday, uh, to wake up with a bunch of church people and, and go and have these guys pouring out their hearts and talking about what's really important. I know that affected me so much that even this morning as I got up and changed this message around, um, to speak to you, to speak to us, Father, about your will and how that puts us on mission. Father, I pray that everything that's spoken in this message today can can bring the truth about who you are and how much you love us to bear in such a way that all of us from the youngest person in here to the oldest person in here realizes that we have a job to do that's been specifically designed for us that no one else can do. And if we know that and embrace that and trust you to equip us to do that, Father, then there are amazing things that can be done for the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that we will do that and do that well, Father. Everything that happens in this building, we commit to you. We do it all in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. So like I said, we started last week with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and that kind of gave us our initial compass point, the idea that we're going to lean not into our own understanding, but and always acknowledge him. And that's going to be really crucial, because if you're leaning into your own understandings, then your compass bearing might be pointing south. And the danger there is you might be fully committed to something, but you might be fully committed to something that's not necessarily God's will. And my concern for you is, when's the last time you did a compass check? Now, we kind of have a nautical theme last week when we were talking about dawn. Uh, so that's, uh, that brought me to the word of God to say, compass check is simply this. One degree off doesn't seem like much. But for someone who's sailing somewhere, one degree off means you never come close to where you're actually going. So I wanted to look to the scripture for a little compass check for us. And I found this passage, Matthew 12, 50. So in our notes, this is our first note. This is our key verse, Matthew 12, 50. Guys, I'm going to put this first verse up here. I like the word whosoever and therefore, whenever they lead off with. So whosoever, this is anyone who shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, The same is my brother and sister and mother, okay? Whosoever shall do, shall do. What that means is when we do the will of the Father, we become part of a relationship with God. A relationship that puts God as our Father. Now that's completely different than a religion that makes us entitled to have to do works to earn merit or favor, Now, I am a father, and as a father, it is my responsibility and privilege to provide for my family. So as you as a father think about that, think about that in light of that. Also, as a father, it is my privilege in light of that to guide and direct my family so that when my family calls or has problems, concerns, or issues, and they call upon me, it is my privilege to guide and direct and care for them. Now, that sounds simple enough, but how many in here have been in the car... When passing directions from mom to dad have been presented. (laughs) Any of you seen this? Okay. Um, My wife and me are now at the point where we're the only ones left in the car when directions are presented to one another. And even with the help of this little app called uh, Was or Was or something to the nature of that, we still seem to disagree on directions. So when it comes to giving directions, it's very difficult sometimes to even follow directions, even when a little phone is saying, turn right. Turn right, turn right, and you've already passed it. And you look at your co-pilot and you say, why didn't you tell me to turn right? You're like, didn't you listen to the phone? No, you were supposed to tell me. Then what was the point of the phone? And meanwhile, now you're so far past anything, that's another sermon that we'll talk about. (laughs) Meanwhile, when it comes to directions, we understand back to the passage, shall do, shall do. It specifically means that God has done something for us to do. I love that because literally what it means is God has a mission for us. Now, I don't know, a couple weeks ago when I spoke, I mentioned a a passage from some music and I never mentioned the band because I'm not here to give any band credit. And now I want to mention a passage from a movie and I don't want to give them any credit. But basically, what happens is we're on a mission from God. Okay? A mission from God to do a task that has been designed specifically for us, no one else. And that's going to be really crucial when we talk about what it is. So when it comes to understanding that mission, I want you to understand something. When it comes to God's will, when I was younger, I was really kind of confused about God's will. Maybe some of you are in the same position. I used to think you had to read books and study it and talk to other people about it. And then when you talk to other people and you read books, they were kind of confused about it. It was kind of like God's will was like a buried treasure. You had to work for it and kind of dig it up and kind of uncover it. And then every once in a while, God would say, you know, hey, Charlie, you're getting closer. You know, go left. Go right, and then every once in a while you might hit it, and then you might find a little bit of it. And I realized that that just doesn't make sense. If we had to work so hard at discovering God's will, then, then basically everyone was just in the same category, hoping to find it. I found that the more believers I talked to, the more confused they were. Some people had told me God's will is like this. You go to sleep, and while you're sleeping, God speaks to you. And then you wake up, and you know you're supposed to go on that mission trip to Costa Rica with Don. I'm like, What? That's God's will when He speaks to you in a dream? I mean, you've never. uh, When I sleep, I don't hear nothing. I don't see nothing. I don't hear nothing. So I guess God's will not working for me. Well, someone said to me, "I hate spiders and I hate heat. So I know it's God's will that I'm never going to be a missionary in a jungle country." I'm like, really? That? so, So God's will is now our predications? Or that's that can be God's will? And others just thought of it. Well, somebody offered me a job. Or I've been approved for a credit card, so it must be God's will. Hmm. I've been approved for credit cards, and I just tear them up and throw them away. I don't ever make any consideration that they're God's will. God's will has to be something more simple than that. It has to be something that we can actually understand, something that we can get our hands on to say it makes sense. I mean, those are significant choices, who you should marry, what job you should take. Don't get me wrong. He's our father, right? We predicated it's a relationship with him. And you should take all things to the Lord in prayer. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, when it comes to God's will, is it something that's specific? Does the scripture actually tell us what the will of God is? And so I went to the scripture. Whenever I'm in doubt, I just go to the scripture. And I looked it up, and I found about 35 different verses in the Bible that say will of God, purpose of God. And uh, this is what I found out. The will of God actually has about two different meanings. And these two meanings are very specific. One is relative to God's sovereign will. Now, sovereign sounds like a big word, so let me explain it to you. Secret. Sovereign will talks about the things that God has declared. Who's going to be born? Who's going to die? Certain things that are going to happen in life that are just going to be bigger than our understanding. Uh, Daniel 4.35 kind of brings sovereign into play. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does according to his will in the host of heaven. And among us, the inhabitants of earth, no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Right? Now, any of you that like the Isaiah 55 passage, for his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways, that talks about his sovereign will. So if we had to base it on his sovereign will, we'd all be in trouble. If it's something that we don't understand or we don't know, we'd be in trouble. But we have something else in the scripture if we continue to read. We have his moral will. And his moral will is something that he instructs us in and he's taught us in because that's what Jesus came and lived out. Not only did Jesus come and live it out, it's actually been written down in this basic instructions before leaving earth. This is written down for us. So anytime we read and study God's word, we're going to be studying the moral will. And that tells us that there's an opportunity for us to know God's will. The psalmist says in Psalm 48, the psalmist tells us, I desire to know your will, my God, and your law is within my heart. I love Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what's God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. See, we read that passage, but we forget what it's relative to. It's about his will and testing that will and knowing that will. If we don't test it and we don't know it, then there's a component that we're missing about being transformed. Even Jesus confirms in John 17, My teaching is not my own, but of him who sent me. And if anyone is willing to do his will, he will know this teaching, whether it is of God or whether it is of myself. So we're going to start by focusing on the primary will of God. And in order to focus on the primary will of God, we're going to have to do the primary focus requires the primary hand sign right here. Point, okay? Point number one, all of us point in life, and we're always telling people don't point, right? Never point at someone because of the three fingers are pointing back at you. We have all these little phrases and stuff. But here's what I want you to understand. The primary point of everything we say and do, the primary point of God's will is this. Guys, point number one. God's primary will for us is all to live eternally with him and be saved. Second Peter three 1 Timothy two three through four. Our mission, our marching instructions, everything that Jesus Christ Himself promised to fulfill. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you that none, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, the reason why you need to understand how that's so important, Jesus is talking about his promise, is in John 5.30, it kind of explains this. Jesus says, I can do nothing of my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It's to his glory, not his own. So the entire will of everything that Jesus Christ encapsulated and did was his father's. That's why the garden prayer is so significant. He's contemplating everything that lies before him, and yet in that moment he realizes, not my will be done, but yours. The will of the Father supersedes everything else that we say and do as a church and as a people. And if the primary will of our life is the primary will of his life, then we can do one thing. We can know that what we're doing every single day should be focused in a similar direction. In order for us to head true north as a people, as a church, the primary will has to be that we focus on sharing salvation with the whole world. Salvation is the primary focus of everything that we say and do because that was the primary focus of everything that Jesus did. He came from heaven to earth. He came. He came before before we knew him. He came. His focus was to fulfill the primary concern of his father. And now he wants us to know that is our primary concern. It is point number one in everything we say and do as a church and as a people. When we wake up, when we go to bed... Whatever we do, we have to remind ourselves to share our faith that all would come to salvation in Christ. You say, how serious can it be? I love this. I'm a guy who loves scripture, but 1 Timothy 2, 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that man is Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony at a proper given time. It's our primary mission. You are by default all missionaries the day you came to saving knowledge in Christ. You don't just send missionaries to a foreign country. Every day you wake up as a believer in Christ, you are a missionary to the gym, to your yoga class, to your job to Starbucks, to wherever you go, to whatever city you reside in, you are by default, as a follower of Christ, commissioned to carry out the primary mission that God has called us to live out, to share the love of Christ with all. If you didn't know that, yesterday at the Ned Talks, it would have been made perfectly clear to you. There's nothing wrong with putting someone on a plane and sending him to another country and saying, Go and make disciples. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you fly over 250,000 people who don't know, then you have to remind yourself that all of us have been commissioned the day we came to saving knowledge in Christ. All of us have been commissioned to be missionaries where we stand, in this town, in the nurseries, in the restaurants, wherever we are, to the primary cause of our faith, to share salvation with all, and that all would come to that knowledge. Second point. God wants us to know him and to know his will clearly. Now I like the thumb for this one. Hey, remember Fonzie back in the day? No, you don't. You you guys missed out on Fonzie. Did you guys play heads down, thumbs up at least? No, you got that one? Okay, you did. Okay, good. Thank you, Ethan. Thumb. Okay, we got point and then we got thumb. God wants us to know. Okay? It's not hidden. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to talk to the pastors to figure it out. Ephesians 5, 15. Therefore, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you ask what's it's there for. It's going to clarify a tremendous amount of information that was given in front of it. So this is a summarization of a tremendous amount of information. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, the summarization, so then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be secretive. You don't have to say, well, if I knew, then I would. He wants you to understand the will so that you can. The youngest person can. And the youngest person plays a role. Believe me, this week in VBS, one of the things that I saw, standing at the door every week, was a small group of young girls, probably four to five, six years old, worshiping. And the way they worshiped and the way they knew God was just revealing to me about we underestimate the value of what people know and how they have this freedom to just see God in a completely different light. James 1.5 reminds us the reason why we don't have is because we don't ask. What you need from the Lord, you just need to ask of the Lord. But we ask for the wrong thing. We ask for the wrong things and we don't get the things we need. Instead, we ask for the things that we want. And then we're frustrated when we don't get them. Our relationship with God is not a religion. And as any good relationship requires, it requires daily communication. Not just before you eat and not just before you sleep. Not that those are bad things, but it's a relationship. And if any of you have a relationship with anyone, if you only talk to them two times a day or once a day or when you needed something, that's not much of a relationship. Open the word up daily. God speaks to us. In His Word. And as He speaks to us in the Word, the communication, the line of communication begins. And we begin to understand more about who God is. And then our prayer life changes. It becomes more active. It's okay to pray while you're driving. I just hope your eyes aren't closed. It's okay to pray without ceasing in awkward and weird places. Because you need Him at all times. Why? Because you've got to refer back to point number one. Because at all times you need to stay focused on the primary cause. And that requires prayer. God's will encourages us to worship. And then it reminds you of something. Hebrews thirteen twenty one, He equips you to do every good thing to His will, which is pleasing in His sight. So many of us struggle with, I don't feel equipped enough to do anything. I'm too small. I'm too shy. I'm too this. I'm too that. You don't have to worry about being too anything. Bring your emptiness, bring your empty box to the feet of the Lord and set it down and say, what is your good and working plan for me? What is your will for me? And then he puts the stuff in your box that he wants you to do and says, go. And then you have all that you need. Like any father, it's his responsibility to equip you for the task, the the mission that he's going to send you on, right? It's not like you have to show up and have all the skills and the abilities. He's equipping you. The question is, once he equips you with all the talents, skills, and abilities, what are you doing with them? You just take your box and set it up on the shelf and say, Thanks, Lord. I'm going to hold that to the day that I die. And then when I die, I'm just going to cash my box in and say, Here's my box of stuff that you gave me. he's going to be like, What did you do with all that stuff I gave you? I gave you talents and skills and abilities. There was a bunch of people around you that didn't know. You were supposed to use that stuff for the people around you. Doing good works is important, but it doesn't show that we love him. It doesn't earn us favor. It's a repercussion of the love that he's already shown us. One other thing, First Peter 2.15 says this, do you know that the will of God silences the ignorance of men, foolish men? Do you have people in your life that are nitpicking and naysaying? Do you want to silence them? Pursue the will of God in your life. Speak the word of God in your life. Show and live the word of God in your life. And the affirmation of Scripture is the will of God pr- provides silence to those around you. He will silence those around you. It's to his will. Also, just Colossians 3, verse 17. Whatever you guys do, do with the excellence. Do with excellence. I learned this from a pastor, my old pastor, Pastor Tom. I want to give credit where credit's due. But he used to say, uh, you know, you stop complaining about taking the trash out. Here's what I want you to do when you take the trash out. When you take the trash out, look in the trash and thank God for everything that was in the trash. Sounded silly at the time because I really hated taking the trash out. So I started looking in the trash as I took it out and I saw like the butter box. I really like butter on my toast. Thank you, Lord, for that butter. And then I looked in there and I saw paper plates and I'm like, ooh, I didn't have to wash any plates this week. Thank you. And it was just the simplest little task. And you know what? That was 25 years ago that Tom said that. And still to this day, I love taking the trash out. I take the trash out here all the time when I see it. Cheryl, where are you at? You ask me to take the trash out? I take it out because you know what? All those little paper cups gave a bunch of little students drinks of water and all the little thank you for the arts and crafts things, and that's what I'm saying is I'm walking to the trash can. Simple stuff, right? Pastor Jeff on a tangent. Now you know I'm in my zone for I'm, I'm tangenting. See? When I'm happy, I tangent. That's what the Lord does with me. Am I on the clock? Yes, I'm doing good. I'm even on the clock. All right, perfect. <laughs> Number three, guys, number three. Ultimately, God's love teaches us something. Where's your pinky? All right, drink some coffee. All right, we got God, number one, main point, none should perish. Number two, A, know him. Check this out. Number three, ultimately, God's love teaches us to love. Now, look, check it out when we put it all together. Boom. 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 It fell into place, too, when I was doing it this week. I was like, boom. Now i got to use these other two fingers. Don't worry, adults. I came up with two more points for you guys, okay? Love. Okay? Tozer once said, the first thing that comes to your mind about God is the most important thing in his book, Knowledge of the Holy. I know a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about God. First thing that comes to my mind is love. Right? Does that mean he's not holy? that mean he's not just oh yeah he is but you know what if you don't think he doesn't love us more than anything else you're missing out on everything about him matthew twenty two thirty nine. the second is like it you shall love your neighbor on your, as yourself on these two commandments depends the whole law the entirety of the law depends on love Without love, this has been a great time for me to have a sound effect. Without love, you are literally a banging symbol. And right now I can tell you, if you've never heard a banging symbol, it is one of the most obnoxious noises there is available on the planet Earth. It's not pleasant. And I can tell you this, I don't care how good the information is you're presenting to someone. If you present God's word without love, it is obnoxious, rude, and offensive. And you never see Jesus doing it. So don't tell me it's God's will that you do it. Because I have a difficult time understanding when you say it's God's will and I can't see that in the scripture. I see Jesus spending time with Samaritan woman who is the outcast of outcasts in his period of time 2,000 years ago. In the middle of the day, drinking water from the same cup. That's an act of intimacy in a public setting with the most despised people of the time, the half-breeds of their captors. Not accidentally having a conversation, carrying on a full-blown conversation. And when she finally realizes that he is the Messiah, she asks him where? Back to town. And he doesn't refuse. Where does he go? The rest of the story? He goes back to the Samaritan village, where what happens? 3,000 Samaritans come to faith. If you don't understand the primary objective of our faith is to show and share and care and love unconditionally, you have missed out tremendously on who our God is. Is he holy? Is he just? Will he judge? Yes, everyone. But don't lose sight of the fact that he loved so deeply that he sent his son before anyone could ever know any amount of pain that that man would face. And even as he hung on the cross, he continued to carry out the mission, the will of his father. John, provide for that woman, my mother, thief, I'll carry you with me. The primary will of God carried on even in his final moments. He never took his eyes off the focus that his father gave him because he knew it was to his father's glory that not one should be left behind. What should we do? We should go. We should love one another. We should be devoted as Christ was devoted. We should love our mothers, our brothers, anyone, and remind ourselves that the commandments don't replace anything, they summarize them. Love summarizes everything that we say and do. None should be left behind. We need to know the Lord, and we need to love unconditionally. Now, students, give me a quick second for the adults. I have a point for them that's pretty serious, and then a general point for everyone. Adults, this is specifically for you. This is the ring finger, and the Bible talks about biblical purity. Okay? Students, we will talk about this very soon in your life. The world is not being fair to you about this, so soon enough we will talk. But adults, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 tells us our fourth point. God's will is that you be pure. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That extends to fleeing from temptation, keeping your hearts, your mind, and your soul, and your bodies clean. Anything that takes your mind off the will of God and places it on your heart's desire and distracts you from those primary causes, you need to understand how you need to abstain and flee from it. It's not just a childlike thing. Anything can be a distraction. A car, a TV, a hobby. Any idol that you place before the Lord. Anything that draws you away. Now if the Lord gives you a hobby, and in that hobby you're able to maintain your integrity where You golf, and as you golf, you share the Lord with all those around. You just have to keep the priority, the priority of God in whatever you do. When you lose the priority and your thing becomes your priority, you have to realize that's a purity issue. Now, relative to sexual, that's pretty clear, but the idea for me is any type of idol, any type of issue that draws you away. The idea is that my will, my heart's desire, supersedes your will for me, Lord. I want what I want more than what you want from me. I know that's hard to hear in a world that says, get all you can, can all you get, and keep all your cans. You know? (laughs) I know the world tells you to just do it, you know? And worry about the consequences later. There's some kind of medication for that, you know? I don't know if you really watch the commercials or listen to the small talk afterwards that says, May cause drowsiness drowsy and a sickness, death, and the things they're talking about afterwards are like, didn't they start off with they already had a sickness? And now the medication that works for that is just, it's just as vile as the sickness they already had. Wasn't that the reason why the Lord told us to abstain from that in the beginning? I'm not worried about any of those things. I don't have to worry about any of those other conditions. I just wonder if the world could use the wisdom that we have. You know, if we had a cure for cancer and we didn't share it with anyone, well, well, what would be wrong with us? Something would be wrong with the church, right? Yeah, we have something that's better than the cure for cancer because if we gave them the cure for cancer, they're still going to die. You can't stop them from dying. But if you share Christ with them, you beat cancer. Think about it, church. Christ has given us. Thank you, darling. You've given them something in Christ that's greater than anything else. These points are so significant. We need to abstain. We need to focus and remember that what's been given to us, we give to others. Final point. I'm so close. Final five. five. How can you give thanks in all things? This is a crazy passage. Give thanks in all things. This is the middle finger, and I'm not going to use it in an obnoxious way. (laughs) It was all that was left. <laughs> Boy, was it was inappropriate. You know, in the middle of life, it's just obnoxious, isn't it? I mean, my kids are gone, my house is empty. You know, what's going on? Empty nest, struggles and strain. Let me tell you something, church. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is in a passage that you have to read and deal with. The Bible says for pastors, when we read it, we have to examine ourselves before we can even teach it to you. So... This is really difficult to say. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything, give thanks, for this is God's will. It sounds so glorious. So when your brother, who's, my brother's here today. Thank you, brother. My brother's here, and he brought, he's a bicyclist. He's a golfer, a golf coach, and a bicycle. He bought me a bicycle. He built me a really nice beach cruiser with giant puffy tires. And he said, here, get in shape. You look like a shape, but it's round. And uh, I said, thanks, brother. I'll get in shape. And, uh... I'm riding my bike for like the first time and I used to work like four minutes from my, my church and I'm pedaling and I'm pedaling and, and there's only one intersection to cross. How, how bad can it be? Get in shape, pedal your bike and I'm halfway through the intersection and I realized the light had already turned red and this is the kind of intersection where everyone likes to pinch you know, at the end and I'm like, I'm dead. I'm going to die on the first day. Well, when I was a kid I had a really bad bicycle accident and I almost died and the result of that was I woke up in the ambulance and my mom who's here today, hi mom, uh, she I woke up in the ambulance and my mom was praying, Lord, if you let him live, I promise you he'll be a pastor. (laughs) And then I blacked back out and I was like, that was a bad dream, let's just wake up later. (laughs) Thanks, Mom, for that prayer. So I'm riding a bike 30 years later, hoping that that's all behind me and I can ride a bike safely. And I'm literally going, I need to get through this intersection. I know with my luck on my first day, I'm going to get hit. So I try to do the old swing the bike back and forth, like, you know, when you're a kid and pump it up and get going. I only made like two pumps on the bike because I'm getting in shape. I'm doing the right thing. It's the Lord's will. When the chain came off. Now being in the shape that I was, I turned into a large projectile. <laughs> thus eliminating my time on the bike and creating a new trajectory. Unfortunately, where the curb and the sidewalk had met the city for an ADA code had had cut grades in the concrete. And seeing that my face and shoulders were coming in head first, I realized I had a choice to make. This or this. I landed this way, right here on this. You can see this. This is all titanium and screws, by the way. And this is where the parts blew out. Now, I know the little ones will love this. So it absolutely disintegrated my arm and pieces and everything. And when I hit and rolled, I stood back up like Bruce Jenner. And I was like, yeah, I landed it. It was all good. And then all of a sudden I realized it wasn't good. And the lady in the car next to me said, you may want to sit down. I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> At that point, my actual, my ulnar, my radio is actually sticking out like I right hear. She's like, I don't think you're good. You may want to sit down. This is what I learned in the hospital. I had somehow in my life developed some form of a kidney disease, which I was unaware of. And I would have never known about that unless I busted myself up because the degree they had to do blood work, because I, obviously I got dirt in my arm, and the, the amount of tests they had to do exposed something in my life. Originally, when they found that out, I was supposed to maybe get kidney transplants and all these different things. The first five years of my life with that situation were pretty horrific, lots of medicines and everything. But as I stand here today, I can tell you, not only am I not going to get a kidney transplant and all that's taken care of, I'm barely on any medicine. I can tell you this. God, if he decides to use pain and suffering in your life to get your attention, the last thing you want to ask him is why. The last thing you want to ask him is why. It's all about his will and understanding. In that hospital, in my kidney clinic that I went to for seven years, my Jewish doctor was... Exposed to God's word so frequently. He'd never heard God's word before, but he knew that Pastor Jeff was coming every three months for his checkup. For seven years, that man heard God's word. All of the staff heard God's word. I was the youngest patient in there by 30 years. Most people in there were failing chronic kidney disease patients, and I was in there. All bubbling me, this guy with this hair. I mean, you know. And we were talking about how good God was. That would have never happened unless he crushed my arm. Now I look back on that, and I remember seeing my bike all tangled up and mashed. And when I came home and asked my wife if she would just get it fixed and I could ride it again, I was very sad to find out she gave it back to my brother and they took it away from me. (laughs) Never did get over that (laughs) bike. But that's God's will. So I'd like to get my bike back someday. Hey, we're near the beach now. Maybe I could try again. No, I can't drag it. No, okay. <laughs> hey, you don't get to jump in on that. Only they get to jump in on that. Fine, okay. According to God's will, I have to read this verse in my wife, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together to those who love God, to those who are called, according to His purpose. Man, does that verse make more sense today than it ever has before. God, He works together all things good and good bad, indifferent. He's working together all things who are working together for what? His purpose, his purpose, his will, our mission. If he needs to crush you, if he needs to do something to accomplish his will, the last thing you want to do is say, huh? What? Why? Because it's to his understanding that he's going to put you in front of people that you would have never spoke to before. It's not just the guy at Del Taco or at your yoga class. It's everybody, everywhere, every day. It's the privilege and honor and opportunity to serve God. The same way that Christ suffered, we suffer. Psalm 37:4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Don't pursue joy. Pursue God and let joy follow. Right? Right? If we're so busy pursuing the world and we wonder, Lord, where are you? You know, I'm over here. Pursue the Lord and watch what follows. Because in the midst of that pain and sorrow and all, I can't tell you how happy I am. My golf game, I can't move my elbow anymore. My golf game got better. Basketball, I was just an average player. I can't move my arm except for one position. My basketball game got better. Everything about a lot of different things got better. You know, it is what it is. When he asked, "Do you want me to pull the screws out?" You know, and do whatever. I said, "No, leave those puppies in forever. Just let it be there for for a reminder." You know, I'm going to get new bones one day. I'm going to get a whole new setup one day. Lord, I'm not worried about it. In this life, you will have tribulation. One final verse, and we're done. Do you need a reminder every day? I'm going to share with you one of my daily verses. Joshua 24:15. Choose this day. Who you will serve, right? But as for me and my house, serve the Lord. That's it. Now you know what you're going to do. You you got God's will, and you got a choice. Do you have tomorrow to serve Him? No. You never you never have tomorrow. You start thinking I'm going to do it tomorrow. Get back to the scripture and read what it says about you doing something tomorrow. You got today. You got the rest of today. God's will says, whatever you got for the rest of today, get back to that primary focus that none should perish. Know God. Love like there's no tomorrow. Keep yourself pure and just consider it all joy. However it shakes out. However it falls down. Get behind me, Satan, and look in front of you because if you look back, you can't plow. you got work to do. you got a job to do. You're on point. You're all missionaries. You've all been called. You, you've received that blessing that is the Lord. That's the commission that's in us. Now, may your love abound more and more in depth and inside, as Philippians 1.9 says, because like Paul, that should be our desire. That's my desire, and I hope that's your desire too. Let's keep heading true north. We've got a bunch more in the series to do. I hope that you continue to show up week after week. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I didn't even know Jesus loved me or something about today doesn't make any sense. There's going to be a time of prayer after the service. Pastor Eric's here. I'm here. We have elders. We have a bunch of people who would love to hang out and pray with you. We make ourselves available to you. That's the reason why we do everything here at Lighthouse. So as I pray right now, I just want to encourage you. God's speaking to you. Something's going on. Do not leave this building with a question about anything. Anything you have that's been brought in this building today and it's unsettled, answer it today. Find someone in here today and let's get it answered so that you know what you need to do to get back on track to know where you need to go. Father God, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the opportunity to head true north as a church, as a people, and truly understand and embrace what your will is. It's not something that's hidden or secret. It's something that's been made clear and known in the amazing and wonderful life in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came from heaven to be our salvation, to give his life a ransom for many. And when we receive that blessing, Father, when he cleanses us of our sins and we take him on as our Lord and Savior, he becomes our good, good Father. And He leads us, and He directs us, and He gives us the things that we need to do. It says the Spirit equips us to do these things, to put us on point, to know as a missionary, we don't have to think we're going to go out there and figure it out on our own and try to understand this and understand that. We have the Spirit to reveal those things. The Spirit will help lead and guide. And when we throw those seeds out there, we're not even responsible for making any of them grow. That's the work of the Spirit, Father. And if there's someone hearing this today, or if it goes out in CD or whatever, and someone hears this, Father, I pray that they would respond today. There is not tomorrow. Respond today. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Respond today to that call. Don't wait. It's a limited time offer to receive Christ. Respond today. It is the greatest thing you can ever do with your life. Thank you for the privilege and honor that we have to share that with all. We do it all in the precious and holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.